Benjamins, baby. Uh huh, yeah. Well, not quite. I'll be talking about more than just the Benjamins. Welcome to Fintech Beat, where the intersection of finance, technology, and policy come together. And I'm your host, Chris Brummer. The future of finance is now. Open banking's benefits involve using customer consent to develop new financial products to revolutionize financial services. But what does consent and liability mean in an age of big data, pages that operate as digital avatars, and where customer approval is based on clicks of a mouse? To find out, we are delighted to have Linda Zhang, the former lead official for the Federal Reserve on open banking and chair of the Basel Committee's work on open banking. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. Linda, it's great to have you. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me. So I think I'm going to kick it off internationally before we bring it sort of here to home. Uh, the Bank for International Settlements and their Basel Committee, uh, this sort of international galactic assembly of banking regulators, uh, had released a report just last month on open banking. And I know that your fingerprints were all over this report, uh, given some of your work uh, previously at the Fed. Uh, maybe you could summarize some of the major points in the report from a 10,000-foot level and really give us a little bit of context as to how it's shaping or reflecting the conversation on open banking here in the United States. Yeah, I'd be happy to. So I was asked um, by the Basel Committee to chair the um, their working group on open banking and APIs because uh, many countries around the world have had competition authorities and data protection authorities putting in place uh, what they called open banking. But we, as bank supervisors, didn't know um, what that really meant, what were uh, the rules. Wait a minute. Are you saying then that the word open banking meant different things in different jurisdictions? That that can't possibly be. Yes. Well, in fact, uh, there are different legal ju- definitions for open banking in different countries, uh, varying from the EU to India to Japan, Singapore, Hong Kong, Australia. However, they all have something in common, which is customers giving consent to third parties to access their financial data. What are the kinds of legal and regulatory responses? Because I know you've been thinking a lot about this this question of, of consent. And I guess maybe to sort of transition from Open Banking 101 to Open Banking 102 or or, or 201 or whatever they call it nowadays, uh, you know, maybe you can give us uh, or remind us of some of the green flags, if one will, of open banking and then sort of some of the red flags and then where consent comes in when regulators are thinking through just how they may structure this, this, this new uh, subsector, really, of, of banking. Green flags, there are lots of them in open banking. We now have faster real-time payments, like Venmo, for example. I go to lunch with a friend of mine, and all I have to do is Venmo her, like my half of the lunch bill. It's so easy. And when I want to figure out what my overall financial health is, I can just aggregate them all through apps like Mint, for example. And 
these kinds of services really make our lives, our consumer lives, easier. And and they're made possible through open banking because the apps are getting the data for those services via technology and the contractual arrangement that they have with the bank and, and, and the consumer of the bank so that your data is used for them to make cool gadgets yes. and apps. Yes. And these fintech firms, they're thinking hard about what kinds of services and products do we normal everyday people need and want? And uh, I would say if it weren't for them, uh, banks probably wouldn't feel uh, the heat of competition as much. And I think for the first time in many decades, banks are seeing a consumer revolution. Consumers want certain services and products. They want them fast. They want them in a way that's very easy to use. And and you know I think banks are now jumping on the bandwagon too and trying to be fintechs themselves. That's 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 really interesting. It's almost like saying, well, the fintechs are coming into the space and they're actually thinking about the consumer in, in from a demand perspective. Um, and where banks, for whatever reason, they may have had either larger customers or other kinds of um, incentives. These smaller, nimbler folks are thinking about, well, how can we use either the data that they can access to, to do things that that consumers will like. So red flags then. So what are some of the, 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 the red flags in this open banking revolution? Well, red flags uh, develop often when there is an opaque um, legal and regulatory environment, um, when there are new services and products and people are just trying them out and seeing, you know, how far can we go until we run into problems and you take Uber, for example, and they're like, hey, we're just going to start, you know, uh, hiring drivers around the country. And just, I mean, for, for the record, the, the mentality of let's see how far we can go until we have problems is probably not the best business plan for all the FinTech Beat uh, listeners. Uh, but 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 for sure, you know, um, it's something that, that you see in, in, in tech pretty often. So so you're saying that that Open banking is not immune to that to that problem. No, it's not. And it happens a lot when we, in our busy lives, uh, want to use a cool fintech service app, and we've downloaded the app on our mobile phone. And you're, you know, we're clicking through it, and it says, you know, do you agree to these terms and conditions? And I have a two-year-old. I don't have time. She's screaming in the background. She wants me to give her food. And so I'm like, yes, just, you know, download. I can sit. I can sit. Right. <laughs> I can sit. I want these. I want these These nursery rhymes now. And, and so we don't have the time, and we don't have the expertise to read all the user agreements and, and privacy agreements that we agree to every day when we click that, you know, that agree box. What are the practical problems um, and the kind of unexpected consent issues uh, that arise? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've, I'm not to pick on companies, but this is my, my favorite um, example um, because so many people use Venmo. Um, when you download the Venmo app, it will take you to a link that says, we use Plaid to link to your bank. Of course, people are going to be like, Plaid, I don't know what Plaid is. And we'll get to that later. Um, so, so clothing, 
<laughs> yeah, it's a cool. It's a cool. Uh, um, you know, Scottish uh, quilt. Um, but uh, uh, so, uh, but putting that aside, you know, you're like, yeah, okay, you know, that's fine, that's cool. Um, and I click the continue button um, at the bottom of that screen, and it takes me to a list of of banks, and you see all the icons for the different banks that are out there. And okay, I'm, so I'm holding my phone to say, okay, Venmo, I I, I need to use like um, um, uh, uh, Venmo. You you sort of press continue, and now you're on a whole different screen, and the screen is showing you a bunch of different banks, mm-hmm. like. Citibank and mm-hmm. and wherever else. Yeah, and I I'm a Citibank customer, and so I I click City, and then it takes me to another screen that says City um, with the blue City logo that I'm very familiar with, and you know so I'm feeling good, and I I I see that I need to input my user ID and my password, and so okay you know I put in my my Citibank user ID and my password, and I I click accept, and voila I my I my bank account at City is now linked to Venmo, and so in my head I th- I think that is what had just happened in that consent flow process. And the entire process was basically with the Citibank backdrop behind it. So it it visually looks like you've just been kind of operating on the Citibank website. That's correct. That's correct. But in fact, it it is um, an altogether different situation when... uh, these all these fintech service apps such as Venmo are powered by companies that are called data aggregators, and um, in the financial data space, um, there are um, about uh, four big ones: um, Plaid, Intuit, Finicity, Yodely, Investnet. So th- these companies, their jobs is is to um, connect, to link uh, these fintech companies with banks and to collect the data and aggregate the data that the fintech service companies need to provide the services that you've you've asked for. So um, so what is actually really happening here when you download Vem- the Venmo app is when you click that continue, that screen that says, you know, you know, we use Plaid and you're, you know, do you want to continue? And you're like, okay, you click continue. As soon as you click continue, you have actually agreed to Plaid's privacy agreement. And no one's heard of Plaid um, or any of these other data aggregators. But in fact, these companies are really important. They're the ones who power the fintech ecosystem. They're the ones who connect the fintechs with the banks. And so um, when you've just clicked continue, you've agreed to provide your login credentials to Plaid, and you've agreed to let Plaid keep your user ID and your password. So, so I, ju- I just want to make make sure that I'm backing up to, to follow everything. So, all right. So I'm going around. I'm seeing this really cool app. I, you know, go through a bunch of screens. You know, they say we want to connect to Citibank. I'm like, this is good. I'm seeing that nice, comfortable blue. I'm saying connect, 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 connect. Yeah, I consent. Hurry up. And but what's really happened is that 
what I'm being transferred to is not necessarily Citigroup's screen, but it's instead it's the screen that's been generated by this uh, data aggregator, like a Plaid or Yodli or, or Intuit or whatever. And I'm really operating on their platform, and I'm no longer on Citigroup's or Citibank's uh, uh, platform. And and I, but I'm not aware of it because I'm seeing that that warm, nice little blue. And when I'm con- when I'm consenting to is really giving them um, access uh, to do certain kinds of things with my banking information over at C- uh, over at Citibank. That's correct. So when 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 you have clicked the continue sign in 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 effect, have agreed to the to Plaid's privacy agreement. It then takes you to a bunch of bank icons. You pick city if that's your bank, and then it takes you to a, a city login screen. Um, you put in. But that's your, not really your, city. That's right. You're putting in your city login and, and user ID because you're thinking that's my city bank login screen. But in fact, that all these screens that you went through are all Plaid screens. That is not city screen, is actually Plaid's screen. And and this particular consent flow that I'm walking you through is specific to Venmo and Plaid, or to specific to Plaid. Um, so the other data aggregators used um, different consent um, flow screens. But uh, the point is, you think you're providing your login credentials to your bank, but you're actually giving it to the data aggregator. But the data aggregator needs it in order to, to do its job, right? Exactly to link your bank account to Venmo. Um, but once you're done, you think, okay, I'm done. I've transferred, you know, twenty bucks to my friend for my half of lunch. Um, Plaid will then later log back in as you. Usually in the middle of the night, because that's when there's less uh, uh, traffic. Yeah, with the full moon. I could I could howl at, like yeah. a wolf now. Um. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess that sounded a little more like like an owl. Okay, so some plaid logs in while you're asleep. <laughs> and goes, okay, I'm going to check out you know Chris's account, and and not only um, do they have access to your checking account, um, they will also go into your savings account. And then any other sub account that's linked to your can, can, credentials. Can I, can I ask just 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 for a clarification though? Like at, um, at that first sort of interaction, the data aggregator um, sort of you know you you give your consent, and you, literally in order to access the application that is going to improve your life in the first place, like th- th- they need that information in order to make your, your life better, right? At that T1 stage, right? When you, when you need the Venmo, you need to transfer it and like, okay, now my life is qualitatively better because I'm able to give money to my friend over at the dinner table or, you know, to, to pay for half of the bill. But what you're saying is then there's the T2 point where now that, you know, your, your life has been made better, but in order, f- I'm guessing that that they're going to say, well, in order to continue to create applications that make people's lives better, you know, we need to come back in in the middle of the night and 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 grab your information, all your sub account information, and all this other kind of stuff. But you don't necessarily know any of this. Um, 
uh, as they sort of, you know, are, are peeking through and scraping the screen data uh, from your, your your checking account and savings account or whatever you've you've given them access to. What is the risk then to the consumer? I mean, b- besides sort of invasion of privacy and you don't want this like, you know, fintech company getting your data, even though they are kind of doing things that you want them to do, outside of the the immediate privacy issue, which seems to be uh, pretty pretty concerning and, and obvious. What if any other sort of downsides are there uh, to, to to consumers with this? I don't know business model. Well, the the new business model of capitalism today is your data is the new oil. Yeah, and your data is valuable. It can be monetized. People want it. Um, companies want it. Hedge funds want it. Uh, marketing firms, um, big e-commerce commerce giants find it very useful to know what your cash flow um, um, situation is like. So when you sign over your credentials to to Venmo slash Plaid, uh, they are now scraping not only your banking account, savings account info, but anything else that's linked, like your mortgage info, your investment accounts, your 401k. And uh, that is that all happened because you had simply agreed to their privacy agreement when you clicked continue. But the consumers should have informed consent. They should know, okay, I'm signing that over. I'm signing over my data. So in order to have these services for at a less costly rate. And, and, and I guess there, there could also be some some cybersecurity risks as, as well. That's correct. So uh, for Plaid to be able to log in later on middle of the night, they had to store your login credentials. And so that means uh, someone other than yourself knows your login ID and password to your bank account, your sacred bank account. And that's sto- that info is stored somewhere um, other than, you know, in your head and at your, with your bank. And so that means another opportunity for cybersecurity hacks where people can break in and, and steal your, your, your credentials. And so it makes the whole process not only insecure, but, uh, but fragile. You know, it seems like this is a really sort of sticky and, and kind of tough issue, right? What do you think the, the world is going to sort of evolve into uh, when you look at the open banking landscape? Well, here in the U.S., it's difficult for regulators to form opinions because uh, they technically don't have the regulatory authorities needed to uh, regulate uh, non-bank fintechs. So that's a that's a really good point. So 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 what happens then? They have to you know keep observing, keep monitoring, um, but they have to wait for the legislative. Process. Uh-huh. That's right. So Congress needs to, if it if it does want non bank fintechs to be regulated, they need to modernize the current legal and regulatory framework, and they need to think about well, what does privacy mean in the world of open banking, and also what does liability mean in the world of open banking. So um, we are. Currently consenting to uh, 
to things that we probably aren't fully aware of because nobody has time to read these forms. Um, Carnegie Mellon back in 2008 did a, a study of how long does it take to read all these privacy forms for websites alone, and these were the top. Yeah, this websites. is like boilerplate shrink wrap kind of kind of questions mm-hmm. that no one really has a time to to to, to digest. Right. right, and it took they calculated it takes around 25 full business days to read all those forms, and this is before the advent of uh, of fintech apps on our phones. So. Uh, that means I, I'm guessing we probably would need maybe up to 40 days per, per year to read all this stuff. And so people, though, are assuming that they have a certain level of protection that actually doesn't exist. And this is where Congress needs to step in and create a baseline of consumer protections um, in this world of digital finance. Linda, thank you so much. Certainly not an easy task, but but it's going to be a necessary one for sure. Thanks, Chris. Fintech Beat listeners, you'll recall in our Open Banking 101 episode, we learned a lot about the potential advantages of open banking, including how enabling customer control of data helps open the door to the development of new products and services that speak to the modern needs of consumers. But As we heard in this podcast, there are some serious questions as well. And while these concerns may not rise to the same kinds of obvious red flags seen in more systemically risky parts of the fintech universe, they do concern consent. And as such, they touch on questions of individual sovereignty and the legitimacy and authenticity of the very control open banking touts. Now, how much sovereignty will ultimately mean in a world where the demand for convenience and efficiency continues to grow is anyone's guess. But as the issue gains ground with regulators, authorities will take note, and I wouldn't be surprised to see more rulemaking in the near future. I'm Chris Brummer. Thanks for listening. We want to hear from you. Feel free to email us at fintechbeat at cqrollcall.com or tweet to at Chris Brummer DR. That's at C-H-R-I-S-B-R-U-M-M-E-R-D-R. Fintech Beat is produced by CQ Roll Call, a leader in nonpartisan political and policy news and analysis for more than 70 years. CQ Roll Call is part of Fiscal Note, a global technology and media company.